Okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is the Abortion Recovery Network. We are group leaders, helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversation. And today your hosts are Linda Keener-Thomas. And Linda, I'm going to let you tell a little bit about yourself. Welcome. We are so glad and so excited that you are here. So many of us have been in this ministry for years and others are brand new. But we are all part of God's kingdom and what he is doing for Mighty Harvest. So we want to be able to pass on to you some of the wisdom and the great ideas and the great work that's going on out there. So you can feel a part of that. I am a um, retired homeschool mom. I've also worked um, earlier on as a crisis pregnancy center director in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've done post-abortion ministry for 20 plus years. And I'm a founder of the National Memorial for the Unborn. And I love networking. I love hearing what everybody's doing. And that's what this podcast is all about. And we have a very special guest that we are excited to have you introduced to today. And my name is Mindy Lefeshore. I'm your other co-host. I am the founder of An Even Place, virtual abortion recovery ministry is what we do. I was a co-editor for the Forgiven Set Free Leader's Guide. Um, with Karenette, and I've been leading abortion recovery for about eight years. Lavette and I met last August at the Karenette conference for the first time and um, immediately got excited about doing some sort of training or something for, for leaders of abortion recovery ministry. And there's a couple other ladies that was interested in that as well. And then Linda and I met in September and um, immediately had the same desire, caught the same kind of vision. And Lavette and I um, met on Zoom with the with these other ladies first, um, and I sure hope this is making sense. But we met on Zoom to talk about what a training might look like, and that kind of got scrapped. But in the midst of that, we came up with this idea of having this kind of a format where you could be listening to other leaders who do abortion recovery ministry, hearing what they do right, what they've done wrong, how they've learned techniques they do, you know, just different ideas so that we can enhance each, each other's ministry, learn from each other and do it while we're making dinner for our family. So it's not formal, it's very informal. And so I hope that you, the listener, are really going to enjoy the conversations that we have going forward. And today, this marks our very first podcast for the Abortion Recovery Network, and Lavette Vassar gets to be our honored guest. So I'm going to let Lavette introduce herself. Well, hello, everyone. I am Lavette Vassar. I am Hope Pregnancy Center, well, Central Texas Abortion Recovery uh, Coordinator. I have been doing abortion recovery for 13 years. Now I'm sitting here thinking about it a very long time, but I am excited about this podcast because I want to hear from other women what they're doing. There's so much to learn. I mean, you hear the different um, times of us been doing it, Linda 20, Mindy 8, me 13, but there is still so much for us to learn from other people and not to walk in fear, uh, be consistent with this and, and do it with love. You know, and God got your back when it comes to doing this ministry, um, just reaching out to those that's brokenhearted from abortion. And that does not just mean the women, that's the men too, siblings, grandparents, best friends, you know, the ripple effects of abortion go all the way through. So everybody has something to offer to this ministry. So I'm hoping 
we hear back from a ton of people. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, how you got to where you're at and what exactly you're doing? Well, hilarious because I figured I could save the world. Um, and then at the pregnancy center, they asked me, have you ever had an abortion? And then that's when everything kind of crumbled. And I admitted for the first time I had two abortions. But walking out of that door at the pregnancy center, I was like, I'm not coming back. I will not volunteer here because um, they tell me, hey, you need to go through a post-abortive program to deal with this. And I'm thinking to deal with what? I'm, I'm good. I'm OK. I, I don't want to deal with anything. And you're nosy, so I don't want to tell you anything. <laughs> and so <laughs> I try to avoid this calling on my life completely. The funny thing is the pregnancy center director at that time name was Nancy Lemke. And no matter where I went, she was there. If I went to a Bible study, she was there. If I went to a women's conference, she was there. And I thought, okay, is she stalking me or is this guy? <laughs> and she remembered my name. She would call me out. And so I just said, okay, I'm going there. I went to Rachel's Vineyard Retreat and it changed my whole life. Um, I did not know how Satan had put guilt and shame on me so heavy that it hindered me from being exactly who God has called me to be. I had no clue of that. And once it like once I went through the retreat, I just felt like all the chains came off from my father's alcohol abuse and just all the chains came off. And I was set free, free indeed. You know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That now my kids be like, don't ask my mother any questions. She's going to be really honest. So <laughs> That's a fabulous testimony. God is so yes, good. Yes, it is. Yes. He's amazing. He it is. is. Amazing. Um, the one thing so I at what point did you feel called into working in the Ministry of Post-Abortion Recovery? Um, I went to a training in Dallas. Now, I, I like to put on my track shoes and run from God quite often. <laughs> so, and someone was telling me, you know, LaVette, you really should consider doing this. And I'm like, man, I don't know. And I went home to my husband and my husband was like, other people can learn and, and receive the healing you have. And I said, okay. I just was like, okay, you're right. It's not for me to hold on to. This was God's gift to me. So that's good. So how long was it between that point and when you got into prison ministry? It was, I want to say, at least five years. Five years. So what My did retreat that look like? A lot of praying um, and doing forgiveness at free and Rachel's Vineyard on the outside and just knowing that there are women hurting everywhere including beside, but behind the prison walls. And um, so I tried to go in without God's guidance, right? I was like, we just going to do this. And it was a group that was going in there. And I was like, I'm going in there. I'm going to do it. And my boss here, who was an amazing mentor, she called me lovey. <laughs> but she was like, I don't think so. And I'm like, uh, I'm going in anyway. <laughs> and I failed completely on my face. It did not work. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. 
then I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on you, Lord. And I'm going to pray because it's in that waiting. We need to figure out what we're going to do, you know. And so I said, I'm just going to pray. And that's when I met the chaplain and the doors opened wide. And that was in 2015. Oh, wow. Okay. So can you give us a, an example of what a typical day looks like for you when you go to the prison? Or Excited. are they typical? <laughs> They're never typical. Um, <laughs> it is so exciting because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, on the outside, you can set up you and you still never know what's going to happen. But um, you kind of have your guidelines. But going into prison, you have to follow their rules. Um, mm. And so walking in there, you have to. Um, and, and I think the hardest part for anybody when they first walk in is hear the gates closed. It's so loud when that gate closed. And that's like the reality, like, okay, I'm in here, we doing this. Then you um, turn in your identification, you get pat down. You cannot, I mean, there's so many rules. No ripped jeans, no leggings. You cannot wear white. You can't wear big earrings. I mean, there's so many rules that you have to follow mm -hmm. um, from what type of shoes you wear. Uh, and some of it seem redundant, like what? But once you get in there, you understand why. And then you're escorted to wherever you're holding your class at. And then these beautiful ladies come in. Broken. Um, wondering if they're good enough for God. And all of us have been at a point like that where am I worthy? You know, all they like, they've been told that they're not. You're a throwaway. You're in prison. Um, one of the units that we go in, because we go into two units, Mountain View and Hilltop, and Mountain View is known more so as the murder unit. So some of the ladies will never see the outside. Um, but I just think about that because they are so on fire for God. One told us, oh, I love being called a prisoner. And I was thinking, really? She said, I'd rather be called a prisoner than an inmate. And I asked her why. She said, because I'm a prisoner for God. And I thought, well, I love that. I love that. Um, and so as they are es escorted in, um, there's always a guard there to pat them down. We sit in this beautiful chapel in a circle and we just do life with them. Um, in the Mountain View unit, you're not allowed to touch at all. So... That's hard because women who have went through abortion and we know God's healing, we want to touch, we want to hug them. But in the same token, like it's hard, but the only person they could depend on is God at that moment. I'm not going to hug you. I'm not going to give you tissue. You have to allow yourself to feel, feel that pain. I mean, we've had women get on the floor and scream out asking God, to forgive them and to be that vulnerable, to tell your life story in prison, that could be used against you. But saying, I surrender all, mm. I surrender all to you, God. It's beautiful. Wow. So I, I just, I'm sorry, when you go to do the study, what does that look like doing the actual study with them? Because you can't do it the same way as you do on the outside. So give us a little idea of what that might, how that might happen. So in the forgiveness that pre, um, 
booklet, we have uh, the wounds and it's parts where you put the band-aids. Well, I can't bring band-aids into prison. Um, and you'll find that surprising that there's so many things you cannot bring into prison that you would think, what would they do with that? There's something right. to do with that, you know? Wow. And so you have to tweak it. Um, so I'll tell them, hey, draw a Band-Aid over this if this is what hurts you. You know, um, they can't keep the pins that we bring in there. Uh, so they are able to keep their folder and their book. But with knowing that at any time their um, cell could get tossed, like they could get their cell ransacked. And if the guard wants to take that stuff from them, they can. Mm. So we had ladies say, you know, my stuff got taken away. And it's like, it's okay. We have a folder and another book for you. Mm. Um, so they normally write their name and their number in their book just to let the guard know, hey, this is my property. This has been approved by the warden. Um, but it is, you go through it and there's things that you just have to do different. Like um, the one part where you carry in your burdens. Well, we can't bring all the burden stuff in, but we do bring in a little bin. So they have a ton of books in the back of the chapel and we're just going to load that bin up with the books. Like, oh, put this in there and put that in there. You learn really quick how to um, improvise. Uh, for Rachel's Vineyard, one of the things we do is wrap people up like Lazarus. And so we have these wraps and when we came to the gate, the guard couldn't find that on the approval list. And so he just was like, I, you know, you can't bring this stuff in. And I'm like, I know it's on the list. And he said, no, we, you can't bring it in. But he, the guard said, how are you going to do Lazarus? And this came from the prison guard. He said, I know how, I know how. Here, take toilet paper. So he gave us rolls and rolls of toilet paper to wrap <laughs> the ladies. And it I love it. I love it. That before, it definitely worked. I was like, hmm, the toilet paper worked. <laughs> So are these ladies voluntarily coming into the group and do they continue through it? I mean, they, they're consistent and go through the whole thing. This is how powerful it is, Linda. They go through the whole thing. They volunteer. And then some of the ladies that have been with us since like 2017 doing this, they now help teach forgiveness and set free. They in the teach prison. The, in prison. That's wonderful. And that makes where they are able to tell the other ladies, hey, how, how's class, how's your you know, study going? How's class going for you? And tell other women, you need to sign up. You need to sign up. And I believe that's why we have such a long waiting list in prison. Wow, that's amazing. I wanna, we, so for the listening audience, don't know what we talked about prior to hitting record for this conversation. And Lavette was sharing with us the faith of these women. And so I'd like you to Levette to just share a little bit of that conversation with the listeners and just your experience with their faith. Um, their faith is strong. And mm -hmm. I was telling you guys that because they don't have, I, I'm jealous. I, I am. I'm jealous because they don't have the distractions we have. Mm -hmm. um, they, we had one lady teach um, one of the chapters, the characters of God. And when I say she studied and came in with a legal path of reading the word, things that I didn't even know that I was like, oh, wait, where? Oh, this is really good um, that I was like, I need paper so I can write this down. She's teaching me um, that they just have this time alone with the Lord that I am jealous of. Um, 
I have a cell phone. I have this. I have that. So there are so many distractions. If they just have a moment of peace. And it's one lady particular that's in prison that I always tell her, I wish you could be my mentor. Um, and you would never think, I want a prisoner to be my mentor. But her love for the word of God and her ability, I'll say something and she'll already have the scripture pulled up. And I'm like, I didn't even know the address of that scripture, but you did right away. So I'm just always blown away at their love for God. Love it. I know one of the things I would love to see in post-abortion is reaching the unsaved. I mean, it seems like so many of us, especially because we're using Bible study format, um, are, are limited in how many um, unsaved women we have in group. Do you see that more in the prison? Yeah, well, we do have some. We had uh, last Bible study, we had six women accept Christ as they say. Um, and that's powerful. And then knowing the chaplain at the prison and his wife who pour into the women, we're able to connect them. It's not like, okay, you accepted Christ, bye. We're able to plug them in with the chaplain's wife so they could continue um, getting nourished and understanding who God is. So it's, it's transforming. For me, it is. Um Lavette, what was the biggest mistake you made going into the prison at the beginning that you learned from um, and adapting this to that that particular society? <laughs> Thinking I doing. <laughs> Thinking I knew it all, like, okay, we're gonna go in here, we're gonna do it this way, and we're gonna do that. Um, and getting in there, and sometimes you would get a guard who don't know the Lord, don't care about knowing the Lord, and will turn a walkie-talkie up when you pray. Um, and I'm just dumb. Like, well, I didn't see that coming. Uh, so there's a lot of things that, yeah, I always say keep a game face because I thought walking into this, it would be exactly like the outside. Mm. No, no. Mm -mm. What would your advice be to someone who said, well, maybe, maybe the prison in my area might be a, a new mission field for this to go into? What advice would you give to them? Pray up and then go. Go. Be consistent. Even if numbers are low and you only have a uh, hilltop we started last year. And I think only five girls showed up. And we was like, oh, that was a low. With the chaplain's request that he asked us to come to the hilltop unit. Uh, and we, you know, we so used to being a lot of women at Mountain View and the numbers were low. And now they have to turn people away. So being consistent um, is so important. Don't get caught up in the numbers, but just go. If God has opened up that door, don't walk in fear, walk through the door. You know, so. That's good. And how would they begin to contact the prison? Um, I would say start with the chaplain at the prison. Hmm. Uh, you would probably first, at least here in Texas, you have to go through the volunteer program. And so that would be the first bet is to whatever volunteer training they have, go to it and then try to get in touch with your chaplain or find an organization that's already going in and saying, hey, um, I would love to piggyback off of y'all just to learn first and then um, start abortion recovery. That's good. And, you know, some of that advice that you gave um, is really true just on the outside too, pray up and go. 
We just need to take steps and do it and be, and, and know that we're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes, but that's where we learn. That's how we grow. Right. And that's part of what this podcast is about is for one, to share all of our mistakes that we've made together and how we've learned from those, how we've grown from those. And so hopefully that um, if you've made a mistake, somebody else won't make that same one, but they'll make another one that will teach somebody else and so forth. And we keep going. And so with that said, I want to shift the conversation a little bit back to this actual podcast, because you were one of the uh, original uh, ones in our group, Lavette, who had the vision for this kind of a podcast. And so I kind of want to get your take and let others hear your take after being 13 years in this ministry Sometimes I think we get clouded by the idea that, oh, well, she had, she knows it all right. Or I can learn from her and yes, we can, we can learn from you, but the reality is, is you don't. And like you said earlier, you want to learn more and you, you know, you can learn more. And so we should always be seeking to grow, but I kind of want to hear from you and, um, just give us an idea, tell us what you are looking for in a podcast like this. Well, I'm looking for the younger generation to step into abortion recovery, to take the lead. Uh, I know they have so much to offer. Um, I'm also looking for more of the African-American churches to step in and take the lead. Uh, yes. And two, that can open up huge communication uh, with post-abortive women in the African-American community. So we live in such a time that technology is so different and I'm old school. I'd rather write a letter. I'd rather send a card or print out a flyer. So I know there's so many other ways of Zoom, FaceTime, all these different things uh, that I could learn from. But I know I'm going to have to learn that probably from a younger generation because I don't have a clue. So I am eager, eager, eager for the younger generation to step in and teach me different ways to connect with their community. That's good. Yeah. That's good. We need uh, each other. Yes, yeah. we do. When we need each other of different ages, I mean, certainly. Um, so if you could explain to our audience how hearing from other leaders in this ministry will impact you as a leader, as you leading groups. In so many ways. Uh, okay, let's just try to tackle the technology part of it. Uh, we have been contacted from women all over, and I'm like dumbfounded. We had a young girl call the pregnancy center who lived in North Carolina, and she just was calling, desperate, wanting somebody to help her, and she got Colleen, Texas. And so we was able to do Zoom. I was not familiar at that time. This was before the new forgiveness effort came out and the revised version. And so I was not familiar. And if someone was younger who had already, I know technology, could have came alongside of me and helped me out, I'd be like, oh, I'm so thankful. Uh, and so that would be one of the other things. Then the younger generation uh, was one of the other things I said I could learn from. I'm in my late 40s. I think I'm pretty cool, but I'm not when it comes to like 17, 18 year olds. <laughs> and so I would love to see the younger generation or communicate with me how to communicate to your generation. You know, what's the best way? Should I email them? Should I text them? Should I call them? Should I meet them for lunch? What is, what would be their response to those type of things? Um, 
I can communicate pretty well with my age group, but I would love to learn how to communicate from theirs. Then with the African-American church, um, me being an African-American woman, it's never talked about. It's never talked about. Um, me growing up in the inner city, having an abortion, having my mother force me to get the first one, I felt alone. I felt like it was an inner city black girl problem. I do not feel like this is a political problem. I feel like this is a body of Christ problem. Um, and so I would love to see the African, all churches, uh, to be honest with you, but I would love to see the African-American church step up and, and stop the murder of beautiful black children. So. Agreed. Yes. Yes. I think too, it's, um, for the podcast, we've, we've talked a little bit about Forgiven and Set Free and Rachel's Vineyard. We want this to be everybody, though. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, the joys that, that God does is he, he gives different pieces of the puzzle to different ones. So we want this to be um, surrendering the secret. We want I don't even want to start naming because there's so many new ones out there, too. Mm -hmm. And I think each one has a little piece of the puzzle. And I have learned so much lately by just getting some of the new books and the new studies out there. And going through them, even though my background is forgiven and set free, um, because I think there's so many different things that we can learn from different ones too. And I yes. think, mm -hmm. Go ahead. I think that's so huge too, because um, there's so much information out there if you're just willing to go find the information. And then I would tell people that's wanting to start also don't get caught in a comparison trap. Mm -hmm. um, trap up. You know, like, oh, well, I'm going to try to be exactly like Mindy. God didn't call you to be exactly like Mindy. You know, <laughs> so um, take pieces from people. And because I remember starting this, I tried to be exactly like my mentor. I wanted to be, and I, I was like, I'm, I'm not capable. Mm. I'm looking at a girl from East Cleveland, Ohio. This is who I am. I think that is such a good point because good wisdom. God works through each of us broken vessels. And it's mm -hmm. going to look different and it's okay. Yeah. Yes. I love that. So I guess that would be the one thing that you would pass along to somebody. Um, do, do you have anything else you'd like to pass along to people that are wanting to get in this? I, I, I cannot say it enough. Don't get caught in a comparison trap. Be consistent um, and be intentional. Um, one of the things I've learned just this past month, uh, a lady who is a strong believer told me, being intentional doesn't feel natural. You know, to go out of your way, to be with that person, that, that doesn't feel natural. You're so used to, what feels natural is meeting with your family members, hanging out with your girlfriend, getting coffee, but meeting with somebody who is broken. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some of the stories we have heard is sexual abuse in the family, you know, feeling forced to have that child. Um, these are deep stories. That doesn't feel natural, but it's intentional. God was so intentional. He went out of his way to be with people. And so intentional, relational, these are huge things. Uh, one of the things I do with every single person who wants to go through abortion recovery is meet them for coffee or dinner. Every single one of them. Outside of the group. Outside of the group. And what is the, what is the um, agenda, if you will, I hate to use that word, but what is the purpose of that for, for you, for them? 
for me and for them is I'm here with you. You are not doing this alone. Um, I remember I, I went and met with a young lady in San Antonio, which isn't that far at all to me, but it's about a three hour drive. And she was like, I can't believe you would come here to meet me. Mm. And that just made like, if I didn't think I was doing it for the right reason, or if I think oh, this is exhausting, you keep going mm. because you are seen, you are loved, you are known. Uh, and I think about where God met me at, you know? Him telling Zacchaeus, hey, come on down out of that tree. I'm coming to your house for dinner. To break bread with somebody is saying, I'm making a promise with you that we are going to do this together. Yeah. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our programs that we forget it's about relationships. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Linda, do you have any other questions for Lovette? I have just have enjoyed this so much and yes. uh, so appreciate helping us think outside the box of where we can find the women, you know, to go into prison. That is amazing. Yes. I know we've done some in some Christian rehabs settings um, and just asking God to give us the creativity to get outside of our little molds, um, you know, and that's it in the church bulletin, <laughs> you know, to go out and find the women. And I just appreciate so much your challenge on that. And, mm. You shared part of your story with us. If you had one thing that you would tell your 16-year-old self, what would it be just to, as a, on a personal note? You're enough. Yeah. You're enough. Yeah. Look, I get emotional even thinking of my 16-year-old self, mm. but just you're enough. Yeah. What a great message. Yes. Well, um, Lavette, this has been a true pleasure and I, I, I hope to get to know you more in the future. I hope we have more conversations. I hope you'll come back and be a guest because I think you have a whole lot more to give us and to, to pass along. Um, for those of you listening, thank you for taking the time to listen to us. If you, whatever you want to listen to or whatever you, uh, let me put it this way. If you have something that you would like to learn about. Um, we would love to hear from you. We're looking for the topics that leaders want to learn from and grow from. And um, we obviously have our own topics, but there's a whole gamut of topics that we can't even think of. And so we want to hear from you. This is a, this podcast is for leaders, by leaders and with leaders. And so we're all doing this together and um, please contact us with the, uh, we have, we'll put our contact info in the comment section of wherever this podcast is going to be. And um, we uh, look forward to talking to you next time. And then you can contact us by email at abortionrecoverynetwork at gmail.com. Abortionrecoverynetwork at gmail.com. And we do want to hear from you. Yes. All right, Lavette. thank you so much. Thank you. Great to meet you. <laughs> <laughs>